to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What an amazing morning. Thank you so much for being us. You know, I have to say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, Heavenly King. Oh, God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our praise. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us for you alone are the holy one you alone are the lord you alone are the most high jesus christ in the unity of the holy spirit in the glory of god the father amen amen what an amazing morning wow i i am just so excited to be here i know it's a monday i know it's a it's a holiday a long holiday but again this program is um Prepared with a lot of heart, with a lot of love. Catholic Drive Time. Again, our goal is to keep you informed and inspired uh, to, to, to touch those most intimate parts of your soul, of your life. As, as we celebrate today, a very holy day, a very special day, St. John the Evangelist. What an amazing morning. Your friend this morning is uh, uh, Oficial Officer Jesus Robles. Uh, I am a fan of the program, and that is an extremely dangerous thing because <laughs> I love the program. And I do this with a lot of fear and a lot of trembling and a lot of respect. Radio is in my blood. Radio is something that I grew up with uh, since I was a, a child. And a nine-year-old going into a a morning show studio, hiding under the the console where the main show host was was doing the program, hiding away from the program director. And again, this dream is happening to me. I I, I was expressing to Adrian, I'm already exhausted just the few minutes before the the, the program because I'm just so excited to be here. And I hope that that energy, I hope that this uh, this good essence is, is being transmitted to all my good friends from the state. Of the cross. Good morning to you, my friends, in the different streets and highways and byways driving. Please be careful out there. Please be careful. To our friends in the Guadalupe Rio Network again, also good morning to you. Uh, today we have a lot of stuff that we're going to um, uh, share with you. We have uh, what's concerning us. That, that's at 15 past the hour. Uh, we have interesting stories. Uh, some of them are going to make you like, wow, think. Uh, and some of you are going to just are going to touch some of those intricate I- insights of your, of your person. Like Dan Crenshaw uh, makes a statement. Jesus, um, it, it's... Uh, it, he, uh, of course, anyways, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that later on. Uh, he, he, he expresses something about Jesus uh, being an unexpected birth. Isn't that kind of crazy? Well, we're going to d- discuss that in a few minutes. And also, uh, uh, Bishop um, uh, declares and, and mentions that the, the Jesus' sacrifice, well, actually, his death was not actually as a sacrifice, but it was more of a layman. Uh, so that that's kind of wild out there. And, of course, um 
We also have another story that comes uh, from uh, Catholics' uh, protest, a nativity uh, that was very satanic. We're going to talk about that later on. And, of course, there's a lot of more, more stuff that, uh, that, that we have prepared for you, so stick around. Now, again, as, as a fan of the show, this is a very dangerous thing, and talking about a very dangerous uh, person, we have uh, Adrian Fonseca here on the ones and twos. Adrian, buenos dias. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to be here with Jesus Robles, you know, Oh I, I am excited because Jesus just brings so much energy that I'm just like, I don't need coffee anymore. I got Jesus here. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus exactly. is a friend. All right, uh, Adrian, I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you. I, I, I'm a big fan of, of Adrian Fonseca and everything that he has to say. And, of course, uh, we have uh, all the way from California on his last day in California, Rudy Carlos. How are you doing, Rudy? Muy buenos dias. Good morning. Buenos dias, Jesus. I am here. It's my last day. It's very surreal. Really excited to be here as well and uh, love this contagious joy that you're bringing to our show here. So thank you for being here with us today. Imagine, it's just, it's Monday. Uh, we survived the weekend. It was a, a tremendous weekend of celebrations. And of course, uh, some of us were probably cocooned at home, uh, uh, being uh, socially distanced and all that stuff because of the just so many d- diseases and so many uh, allergies that are going out there anyway. So uh, today we have prepared a program for you, and we hope that we fill you in on everything that's been going on. We have uh, Rudy. He's going to be telling us the breaking news of today. And Adrian Fonseca has also prepared the saint of the day. And we have the gospel, and we have a lot more to share. So, Adrian, let's let's go in with our with uh, Rudy Carlos as he uh, prepares for us the breaking news. Good morning, Rudy Carlos. Go ahead. Well, one real quick. Let's yes, pray sir. the memorial. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, yes in sir. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. Mother, to you do I come before, do I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. And if you stick around today, amen, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. If, if nothing else, if you stick around today, listen to some of the bloopers. Adrian's going to be kind of taking out the whip <laughs> and is going to be whipping me over here, uh, uh, trying to get me in place as, we, uh, uh, as I abide on this clock. So let's go, Rudy Carlos, buenos dias. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos, and let's dive into the headline news today. Epic Times reports FDA authorizes Pfizer's COVID-19 pill weeks after landing $5 billion deal with Biden administration. The FDA on December 22nd granted emergency use authorization to Pfizer's COVID-19 treatment pill, coming about a month after the federal government announced it would purchase 10 million courses of the drug. The pill, Paxlovid, is taken twice a day for five days in combination with a second medicine called Ritonavir, classified as a genetic antiviral drug. The drug is aimed to help patients who are suffering from mild to moderate COVID-19 symptoms from becoming so sick that they need to be hospitalized, officials at Pfizer's have said. In recent months, some severely sick COVID-19 patients and their family members have said that the cheaply produced anti-parasitic drug Ivermectin produced positive results. An elderly patient in Illinois recovered following a court order that allowed him to use the medication, which the FDA hasn't cleared for the use for the use on COVID-19, the man's attorney said on December 1st. And The Hill reports Japan to boost military spending amid East Asian threats. 
Japan is set for record defense spending in 2022 as China continues to expand its military and North Korea adds to its missile arsenal. The government approved a budget Friday that dedicated roughly $47 billion to Japan's military for the fiscal year starting April 1st, Reuters reported. The budget will still need to be approved by parliament, which is controlled by Prime Minister Fumio Kishida's party. Japan, along with its ally, the United States, has expressed concern that China's desire to assert sovereignty over Taiwan poses a risk in the region. China has increased its military deployments over the island that it views as a rogue state. Taiwan maintains that it is a sovereign country. The Japanese and American military have reportedly recently devised a draft plan for action in the event of an emergency in the Taiwan region. Under the alleged plan, the U.S. would deploy troops on the Nansei Island chain, which stretches towards Taiwan. And Breitbart reports Pope Francis decries Italy's record low birth rate as a tragedy. I have a concern, a real concern, at least here in Italy, the demographic winter, the Holy Father said, following his midday Angelus address in St. Peter's Square. It seems that many couples prefer not to have children or to only have one child. Think about this. It is a tragedy, he declared. Ten days ago, the Italian statistics bureau, ISTAT, reported that the nation's birth rate fell to a record low in 2020, with the country registering at just 1.17 births per woman among Italian citizens. Italy's fertility rate of 1.17 children per woman is significantly below the replacement level of roughly 2.1 children per woman. Globally, Italy is ranked 216 out of 227 countries for new live births. As the percentage of the total population with just 8.4 live births per 1,000 citizens. Well, the Holy Father also said in the past that Catholics shouldn't breed like rabbits, so maybe they took it to heart. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint John the Evangelist, or, you know, Saint John the Apostle. He was born in the first century. Saint John the Apostle was the son of Zebedee in Salome. It was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ, and John was called to be an apostle by our Lord in the first year of his public ministry. He is considered the same person as John the Evangelist, John of Patmos, and the beloved disciple. John's older brother was St. James the Greater and another one of Jesus' 12 apostles. Jesus referred to the brothers as Bongeris, or Sons of Thunder. John is believed to be the longest living apostle and not and the only one not to die a martyr's death. During the Last Supper, St. John sat next to Jesus and insinu Yesu, or laid on the breast of Christ. John was the only one of the 12 apostles who did not forsake the Savior in the hour of his passion. He stood faithfully at the cross when the Savior made him the guardian of his mother. After the Assumption of Mary, John went to Ephesus, and according to church tradition, he later became banished by the Roman authorities to the Greek island of Patmos. This is where he allegedly wrote the book of Revelation, or Apocalypse. It is said John was banished in the late 1st century during the reign of Emperor Domitian. After being plunged into boiling oil in Rome and suffering no injuries, it is also said that all those who witnessed the miracle of the Colosseum were converted to Christianity. In his ecclesiastical history, Eusebius states that the first epistle of John and the Gospel of John are agreed upon as John's. Hmm, imagine that. The beloved disciple died in Ephesus after after 98 AD, where a stately church was erected over his tomb, and later it was converted to a Mohammedan mosque. He is often depicted in art as the author of the gospel with an eagle symbolizing the heights he rose in his gospel. 
and other, and other icons, he is shown looking up into heaven and dictating his gospel to his disciples. St. John the Evangelist, pray for us. Well, this morning is about uh, John in John 20, verse 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came out to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloth there, but did not go in. When Peter, Simon Peter, arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloth there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, and the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and saw and believed. The Gospel of the Lord. Christ rose again, leaving the stone and seal still laid on the sepulchre. The tomb was open. This struck Mary Magdalene, for as soon as she saw the stone rolled, she went from the sepulchre without entering and, 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 and even looking into it. And she immediately ran in order for the, her affection to carry the news to the disciples. Now, St. John Christensen points out to this order to ask, ignite in us the order to proclaim the resurrected Lord in our lives, the miracle. That happens every day, the waking up, the breathing, living. We forget that every day we are living a miracle and that we are supposed to imitate Mary Magdalene and run and proclaim them that, that something has happened, even though Mary Magdalene did not understood what was happening at this moment. Peter saw the linen cloths, and again, St. John Christensen takes notice that the, the Christ's body being buried with myrrh, the linen would stick fast to the body as pitch so that it would be impossible to steal or take away the body without the linens. Now, notice John Mary Magdalene, who stood at the foot of the cross, how they played a great role in this gospel. Those who participated in contemplating the crucified Lord in his passion are ignited to act, to do something. Mary Magdalene acts, of course, in ignorance. She runs to report the missing Lord. She runs with a mission in order to get the word out. Now, the gospel tells us that the beloved John ran faster than Peter, the leader, the rock, the one who had denied Jesus, the leader of the church. The gospel also says that Peter entered and saw, but does not believe. At least the scriptures uh, say, don't speak about his belief, but it is clear that the second one that entered the tomb believed. This points out to those that bear the cross, that are there at the foot of the cross with Christ, to clutch to the faith, to, 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 to be there, to believe to just even though you might not understand that everything that's going on but trust stick with us later on we have Bres, uh, Russ Brelt we're going to be talking about the Shroud of Turin and how it relates to this gospel stick around Catholic Drive Time we'll be right back this is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute G.K. Chesterton says all comfort must be based on discomfort What's that supposed to mean? It has something to do with the fact that we celebrate Christmas in December. It is the feast in the middle of winter. We are choosing to be joyful at the very moment when the whole material world around us is most sad. We are defying cold death outside 
by celebrating life inside. And that's why there's nothing more comfortable than a blazing fire in the middle of a blizzard, and why we bring a green tree inside and decorate it and talk of good cheer in the face of darkness and death. Tidings of comfort and joy. Because all comfort is based on discomfort. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Merry Christmas from the Guadalupe Radio Network family. I'm Tim Mott, the general manager of the GRN station in Houston, Texas, KSHJ. Christmas is a time for family. My family has already made a gingerbread house and eaten it on the same day. The dog knocked over the Christmas tree and we bonded watching our favorite Christmas movie. But even if your family isn't a source of joy for you, remember that you are loved by this GRN family and by the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Merry Christmas. to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, a program that's meant to keep you informed and inspired. We are in the segment where we talk about what's concerning us. We have a couple of topics that we want to discuss, but first of all, we want to say uh, good morning to everyone that's listening on our social media. We want to say thank you to Gloria Diane Lopez that's uh, checking us out right now, and to the many that are connected on our different social media platforms. Thank you for being there. Stations of the Cross, good morning, and Guadalupe Radio Network, good morning again. Now, today, we we have uh, different stories. We have a story from uh, uh, that discusses uh, Dan Crenshaw, and of course Jesus has an unexpected birth. We're also going to be covering a bishop, uh, a bishop that made a comment that the sacrifice that this was not a sacrifice done by Jesus, uh, but he was. It was more of a layman uh, sacrifice. Uh, also, um, Catholics protest the installment of a Satan baby in one of those uh, um, in a Capitol building. So we're going to discuss those in many more if we get a chance here on what's concerning us. Take it, Adrian. Yes, praise be to God. You know, one of the good story, but also a bad Mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a mixture of things that are going on in this story. Dan Crenshaw came out, so there was a post that was put out on social media, and it was great because Mm -hmm. of the reaction it got. So they put out this group, 538. I'm not sure who they are, but they put out this thing. They said, do you have an abortion story? Mm. We want to hear from you. And they're asking for people to talk about why uh, abortion is a good thing and tell me how great abortion is. And they got completely destroyed Mm. in terms of everyone sort of commenting like, oh, yes, I was going to (laughs) choose abortion, but then I decided to keep my child. And people were telling all these beautiful stories. People were retweeting them and telling them, oh, no, here's why abortion is bad. And it was great and wonderful. They had over 500 people retweet them, a thousand comments. It was amazing. Uh, And one of the things is Dan Crenshaw came out, which, praise Uh be to God, I, I love his intention behind this, but <laughs> I wanted to talk about this because this is a very common thing that people say yes. that's just not true. Yes. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dan Crenshaw said, quote, here's a story. Every Christmas, we celebrate the unexpected birth of a child that saved the world. Ugh. And I'm like, Ugh. you know, Dan, unexpected. I appreciate it. I, I get what you're trying to do, but that's not true. Christ was not unexpected. Yes. Our lady was not an unwed mother. Uh-huh. She was uh, an a angel from heaven announced to yes. Our Lady and said, you will be the mother of the Savior, and then ask her permission first. Yes. And so it wasn't like she was just like, oh, I'm pregnant all of a sudden. How did that happen? <laughs> like she, she knew. She was aware of what happened. Yes. And not only that, but our Lord was predicted for thousands of years. Yes. He was the coming Messiah that we yes. read about throughout the Old Testament. 
that everybody was awaiting for. Yes. Uh, so that's the that's a, 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 what a small concerning story. Yes. I think it's a beautiful thing that what Dan Crenshaw was trying to do. Yes. But I think it's important to exert the truth. So and you know, it, it, it happens all the time, Adrian. Just like when you mentioned this right before we went on the air, you mentioned it. And it kind of skipped for a second, but I had to stop and, and really reflect on what you just said. I said, "Hold on, an unexpected baby. Hold yeah. on, there was an announcement made here, and Our Lady knew exactly what was going to happen. She knew the scripture. She was not ignorant of scripture. She." she she, she grew up in the temple, you know, and she was there. Uh, but, okay, well, anyways, uh, what's concerning us on the next one? Catholics protest the installment of a satanic display at Illinois State House in Springfield last Monday. Now, the protest organized by the party, uh, the American Society for the Defense of Traditions, Family and Property, a Catholic organization dedicated to fight the culture war, was uh, directed against a statue of a baby. Um, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, but Baphomet? Baphomet. Baphomet. Who we rebuke in Jesus' name. Uh, yes. And in swaddling clothing, place, you know, that's that's basically, it's, it's making fun of the nativity. Uh, it's, a, it's a horrible way to express the nativity, put in a, a satanic figure. Uh, and of course, a satanic temple was present in, the, in a video uploaded by YouTube, the TFP. A voiceover uh, commented that in the name of tolerance and equality, there is a war against Christianity that should be denounced in the post. All men of goodwill understand that Satan has no right because evil has no rights, the video concluded. Now, the video also shows members of the TFP and other other protesters praying the rosary, singing, holding signs that read, Satan has no rights. And begotten, uh, begone Satan, Mary crushed the head of the serpent. Also um, present in the protest was a Republican state senator, uh, Darren Bailey, who uh, is an Illinois gubernatorial candidate, and his wife, of course, he was uh, posting this on Facebook. Good for him, uh, make, you know, putting this out. I again, Adrian, it, it, it's, it's horrible that these, these actual protests of, uh, and, and the a Christian side of the messaging doesn't get out there unless someone from a prominent position is out there to promote what they're doing. If no one else does it, then the only thing that gets out is the chaotic exposition of this horrible image of uh, of Satan. So I give kudos to this to this um, uh, senator here that for exposing and saying I'm out here with the prayer warriors praying, and and we have to answer to this now. The the satanic uh, church uh, they they put out a statement saying that they are glad that um, that these people were out there from the from the TFP uh, protesting because they wanted everybody's inclusion inclusionary comments to be in there. Of course, the bishop didn't make it, but he also uh, um, it called that out as a as an evil act. You know how how terrible is this? Why they always have to go on the contrary? And who is out there to to fight the Catholic Church? Mm -hmm. It's always a Catholic Church. Amen. You, you see those movies, uh, the, the the exorcisms and all these things that who do they call upon? A priest. The Catholic Church is in the middle of this battle, and as Catholics, we are called to be present, to take up arms, the rosary, that, that, uh, that weapon with 50-plus bullets, and pray the Holy Rosary. It has power. And even though you don't understand the rosary and the power of the rosary, the, 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 the rosary is efficacious. You're calling on Mary, and Mary is going to be there with you. And no one, no one, Satan hates Mary, and he will depart away from your presence because Mary is being called upon.
Amen, brother. Yeah, I love I love the TFP. Anybody who listens to the show knows how much I have an affinity for the TFP. And my friend, Mr. Evan, was there, and a bunch of my friends from the TFP were there. Mm-hmm. And that was such a beautiful thing to see there. And, yeah, the, the Satanic Temple makes this outrageous claim that, oh, because freedom of religion, that means Satanism has a right to be everywhere that, mm. that Christians have a right to be. No. It's a very perverted idea. Uh, but another what's concerning us story mm-hmm. is horrific, yes. easily one of the worst stories that is going to get trying to get buried under Christmas. Oh, Adrian, uh, tell me. What's it's going so on? bad. It, mm. The Archbishop of Lima says Jesus died as a layman and without offering a sacrifice. What? This is absolutely horrific. This is reported by CNA, uh, the Catholic News Agency. And this is absolutely horrific because it is. Our Lord is not just a priest, He didn't offer just a mm-hmm. sacrifice. Our Lord is the, the high priest. priest. Yeah. He is the high priest. He is the from the order of Melchizedek. Yes. He offered his own body, blood, soul, and divinity on the cross. Praise he gave Jesus. up his life for us. Amen. He didn't uh, have his life taken from him. He Amen. gave it willingly yes. and, and desire the salvation of souls. And this bishop, a Catholic archbishop, uh, and that's what blows my mind. Yes. Like, how... How can a Catholic archbishop say something like this? Yes. How can he reject our Lord in such a grave matter? And to say that uh, he was a layman, I understand what he's doing. He's probably trying to say, oh, you know, trying to lift up the lay people and say, you know, Christ was just like you and me. Mm. And I get the idea behind it. I get like trying to be nice about it. It's the same idea that I was in D.C. and I heard a bishop mm-hmm. say uh, that Our Lady was an unwed mother. And I was and he was like, you know, because Our Lady is just like you and me. And it's like, OK, I get what you're trying to do. And it's great. If it was true, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. And if it's not true, then it's not charitable. And so our Lord is the high priest. That's right. And we need to recognize that. And whenever we have the sacrifice of the mass, our Lord is present there acting. And so that's why the priest acts in persona Christis capitas. Amen. As Christ the, uh, as Christ the head. So that's what happens at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, and we need to understand that whenever we celebrate the Mass, uh, whenever we pray with the priest, because the priest is the one offering sacrifice, mm-hmm. as just as Christ offered his own body as sacrifice. The unbloody sacrifice of the Mass is to look back at the bloody sacrifice of the cross. You know, it's it's uh, on these situations, uh, Adrian, I, I have to try to give the benefit of the doubt of what he was trying to do. Uh, it, it's hard for me to come down so so hard on the bishop, but again, uh, we have to go by what the words that he's saying. I, I hope what he was mean, meaning to say is that we all, as lay people, act in in that um, in the body of Christ uh, when we ju- unite our sacrifices uh, to His sufferings. Right, as Scripture says, uh, He wants our, our sufferings to be united mm. to His. It, it's it's crazy. But again, you, you were also mentioning to me, uh, Adrian, about the Anglican. Uh, Bishop, Bishop Tutu. Oh, yes. Oh, that, that blew me Absolutely. away. Bishop Tutu, tell me about Tutu. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, if you want to hear more about the story, you're going to have to tune Tutu. in the, uh, to the Bree Dale show at 8 a.m. She's going to talk about oh. this much more. So she broke this story. Uh, Bree Dale was reporting that the Anglican Archbishop, so it's not a Catholic bishop. He's an mm. Anglican archbishop, so he's not a real bishop. And the and what, what Bree Dale reported on was this bishop, Bishop Tutu, well, he had just died, and Pope Francis 
put out a letter uh, commending his life, mm -hmm. saying that he is, it was great that he had, was fighting for racial justice. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and also, Bishop Tutu was a, uh, a self-proclaimed socialist. Mm. And so this is a huge problem that we have here. Yes, we should pray for his soul. Yes, we should pray that he had a conversion of heart and a conversion of mind and a conversion to the true faith on his deathbed. Praise be to God if it happened. We don't know. But to be giving, to be making a public statement like this, this is scandalous to the faithful. It seems as though, I'm not saying that the Holy Father did do this. I'm saying it mm -hmm. seems to your average layperson reading the, uh, the obituary, the letter that, that Pope Francis sent out, if your average layperson read that, it would seem like Pope Francis is giving credence to everything he's saying yeah. and saying, you know, I approve of yes. Bishop Tutu and everything he was saying. And that is a real problem. It, it's a scandal. It's a scandal. It can, it can create scandal, especially when, when you praise or when you validate. Uh, it sounds like a validation to, to what he was teaching. But again, we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully all he's doing is just adding his condolences uh, to the church, to the Anglican church. And hopefully all he's doing is, uh, is just asking for prayer for his eternal rest. Uh, but again, when, when you are a proclaimed socialist uh, and, and then you as a, as a high figure of the church, as the ultimate, uh, as a pontiff of the church, go out there and say something like that, it almost seems like you're validating. And, and, and this is where I go with this one, uh, Adrian. Um, you know, the political ideology won't help uh, when, when people die. Christians should focus on sharing the gospel. This is an article written by Nittenberg in The Blaze. He says, while many of us are spending and focusing uh, time on the news and politics and never-ending culture war, the celebration of Christmas offers Christians the opportunity to zoom out and remember the ultimate mission of Christians, which is spreading the good news, spreading the message of salvation and how Christ came down from heaven into a baby child and, and entered our world to what? To redeem us. So as Christians, don't be... Uh, uh, don't deny Jesus when you're at, at work. Do, do an Opus Day. Do, uh, bring Christ into your work. Manifest your Catholic faith and do it with, with, uh, with, with no fear, with no trembling, but do it with, with respect. Again, uh, take it out there. Let people know that you're a Catholic by the way you behave, by the way you treat others, and, and by the, 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 the faith that you profess. I, I meet so many Catholics, Adrian, that I would never know that they're Catholics because they hide their faith and they don't live it in an intentional fashion. Well, let's stop that today, okay? Let's stop that today. Be more intentional. That's what the gospel calls you. Live the good news. Now, talking about living the good news, we have uh, more news coming up um, with, uh, with, with our friend here in just a few minutes, and we're going to come back with Russ Brelt, the Shroud of Turin. So stick around with us. This is Catholic Drive Time. Good morning. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Since we are all children, we all associate Christmas with Christmas presents. G.K. Chesterton says that everything looks better when it's a gift. A gift is something we don't deserve. If we deserved it, it would not be a gift. And that's why the only possible response to a gift is gratitude. And that is why we hear in the Mass, as we will hear at Christ's Mass, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Everything we have is a gift. And that is why Chesterton says, thanks is the highest form of thought. That's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. The best kind of giving, says Chesterton, is thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? 
Visit us at chesterton.org. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you who is Messiah and Lord. As we celebrate this Christmas season, bring love and joy to all the people because our Savior is born. I'm David Magianis with the Guadalupe Radio Network, and I wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos. Here's your headline news this morning. The AP reports Putin to mole options if West refuses guarantees on Ukraine. Russian President Vladimir Putin said Sunday he would ponder a slew of options if the West fails to meet his push for security guarantees precluding NATO's expansion to Ukraine. Earlier this month, Moscow submitted draft security documents demanding that NATO deny membership to Ukraine and other former Soviet countries and roll back its military deployments in Central and Eastern Europe. The Kremlin presented its security demand amid tensions over a Russian troop buildup near Ukraine in recent weeks and has fueled Western fears of a possible invasion. Russia has denied an intention of launching an invasion and in its turn accused Ukraine of hatching plans to try and reclaim control of the territories held by Moscow-backed rebels by force. Ukraine has rejected the claim. Putin reaffirmed that NATO membership for the Ukraine or or the deployment of alliance weapons there is a red line for Moscow that it wouldn't allow the West to cross. We have nowhere to retreat, he said, according to adding that NATO could deploy missiles in Ukraine that would take just four to five minutes to reach Moscow. They have pushed us to a line that we can't cross. They have taken it to the point where we simply must tell them stop. Russia annexed Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula in 2014 and shortly after threw its support behind a separatist rebellion in the country's east. Over more than seven years, the fighting has killed over 14,000 people and devastated Ukraine's industrial heartland known as the Donbass. Breitbart Breitbart reports, Hannah Jones, parents shouldn't decide what's being taught in schools. Leave that to the educators. Hmm. Nicole Hannah-Jones, 1619 project creator and professor, and I'll add a history revisionist, said Sunday that NBC, on NBC's Meet the Press that parents should not be in charge of deciding what's taught in schools. Hannah-Jones says, I don't really understand this idea that parents should decide what's being taught. I'm not a professional educator. I don't have a degree in social studies or science. We send our children to school because we want them to be taught by people who have expertise in the subject area, and that's not my job. And the Blaze Report CNN religion commentator and Catholic priest says the unvaccinated should not be attending Christmas services. Seems like we have become the new lepers. And LifeSite reports Catholics protest installment of satanic display in Illinois Statehouse. Catholics protested the installment of a satanic display in the Illinois Statehouse in Springfield last Monday. The protests organized in part by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family and Property, also known as the TFP, a Catholic organization dedicated to fighting the culture war, was directed against a statue in the likeness of a baby demon, I won't say the demon's name, in swaddling clothes, placed next to the nativity display in the statehouse rotunda by the Satanic Temple. The video shows members of the TFP and other protesters praying the rosary, singing, and holding signs that read, Satan has no rights, and be gone, Satan. Mary crushes the head of the serpent. Check out the video. It's actually really cool. Uh, They drown out all of the Satanists there. And uh, isn't religious liberty so awesome? It's so great. 
great, huh? How we can have blasphemy displays like this in this in a state, you know, property. That's amazing. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. That's right. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Thank you so much. Uh, Rudy Carlos here with the breaking news. Um, of course, uh, that's why I love that, that dollar bill says, uh, in God we trust. And that's a collective uh, thing we've allowed. In God we trust in those dollar bills. And again, that, that we trust in God, that he's going to be uh, taking us to the next level. Now, uh, when Joe McLean uh, advised me about this day being here, covering his program as he's on a very well-deserved vacation, Immediately, the first thing that I did was I went and I read the gospel for today, and I saw uh, John 20. Immediately when I, when I started reading it, his name came up immediately, Russ Brelt. His name came up because this, this gospel, uh, it, it, I heard it in his presentation. Uh, I had a chance to witness one of his presentations. He does the Shroud Encounter, and he does it all over the country, and he visits all different churches wherever he's invited. And immediately just came knocking in, 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 you know, on me. And I said, even though this is a, it's a Monday, it's, it's a holiday weekend, people deserve to hear something so rich and something so building like the, the Shroud of Turin and how we can tie today's gospel to the Shroud of Turin. So for those of us that are watching on social media, this is the moment to share the program because we have an expert in the subject matter in, in the Shroud of Turin. Uh, Russ Brelt, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us in Catholic Drive Time, heard in uh, the Stations of the Cross and Guadalupe Radio Network. How are you doing, sir? Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. Sir, I'm so excited. Over 30 years of, of work uh, that's been done on this on this uh, shroud, uh, 200 images that you display on your presentations. You have a lot of good news to say. Now, uh, tell us, what is the Shroud of Turin? What is it? What do you think it is? And what can we say about this shroud? Please let us know. Well, the shroud um, is a burial cloth that has wrapped a corpse. Um, they use burial shrouds around the world and have for thousands of years. And there is a burial shroud in Turin, Italy, which is where we get its, its common name, Shroud of Turin. And this particular burial shroud bears the faint uh, image of a bearded, crucified man mm-hmm. um, and it is uh, there is a pattern of blood stains on it that correlate with the wounds that that Jesus sustained in his crucifixion ordeal, uh, starting with the crown of thorns. You have blood all around the head, all over the back of the head from from an, uh, from an apparent crown of thorns. You have scourging all across the back, even on the front chest and thighs and um, scourge marks going from the base of the neck down to the ankles. You have a you have nail wounds in the in the wrist, nail wounds in the feet. You have a wound in the side that that would that occurred after death because we see the evidence that the that the blood flow from that wound there's a separation of blood and blood serum indicating it occurred after death, which is consistent with what happened to Jesus. The blood the blood is blood. It is uh, uh, it is uh, AB blood type. And in 1995, uh, by analyzing a blood particle from the back of the head, they determined that it was um, human male DNA with the XY chromosome. And it's um, so the image is inexplicable. It's uh, very faint. 
It does not penetrate the cloth. It resides only on the top one to two microfibers and, um, and is not the result of any kind of artistic substance. In other words, there's no evidence of any kind of paint, ink, dye, pigmentation, stain. So the interesting from a, from a scientific standpoint, you know, the, the shroud is obviously an object of veneration and devotion, but at the same time, it's also an artifact that has been analyzed more than any other artifact in the world. And, um, and consequently, there, there is this either or proposition with the shroud. And that is, it either is or it isn't. And if it's not the authentic borough shroud of Jesus, well, then what is it? Well, then it must be the work of an artist. It must be the work of human effort. And yet we can't determine any substances that could account for the image, nor have we determined any alleged process that some medieval artist might have employed. So the shroud remains this phenomenal mystery, but it's a mystery that goes to the very bullseye of the Christian faith and testifies to the life, suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so that's what the shroud is. It's it, it's amazing. It really it really is amazing. Uh, I've seen you do these uh, presentations uh, in in Catholic facilities. I've also seen you do these presentations uh, with our, our Protestant brothers and and sisters. Where where do you see most of the um, uh, questions or uh, people that are mostly interested? Or who challenges you more on, on the shroud? Is it the Catholics, the people that uh, believe in in holy images, or is it the Protestants that don't uh, contemplate any? holy image of something to be venerated well you're right i do probably get more pushback from our protestant brothers and sisters um you know um, obviously <laughs> ever since john calvin they haven't had a a, a a great you know fondness for images or or let's say relics and it's and you know now here we are we live in the 21st century mm -hmm. we live in a skeptical age we live in a scientific age And, and it's easy to question whether a particular bone or something belongs to a particular saint. We believe it by, 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 uh, by tradition, but many of the things that, that, we, that we hold cannot necessarily be scientifically proven. And, um, but that's where the shroud stands apart from almost anything that would, that, that would be called uh, um, a relic is because the shroud is measurable. It is testable. We can, we can apply analytical science to it and come away with some um, educated understanding as to, as to what it is. I mean, um, you know, there are thousands of relics But but there is but there's nothing that is as measurable and as testable 
as the Shroud. Now tell us about the, the John's. Well, we're going to come back in just a, a few seconds uh, with Russ Brelt. He is the expert in the Shroud of Turin. And the whole reason that he's here today is because he's going to share us the good news about this Shroud of Turin. And of course, a lot of uh, something else that's happening. There is going to be an exhibit, a museum that's getting ready to be opened. And he's going to share that into us. And we're going to talk about John 20 and how it connects to the Shroud. We'll be right back. Catholic Drive Time here on your radio. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Have you ever heard people object to gold and gilded ornaments in a Catholic church? Have you ever heard them question the purpose of burning incense? How do we answer them? Simple. We answer them by pointing out the three gifts of the wise men at Christmas. If gold and incense can be brought to a stable, they can certainly be brought to a church. What do these three gifts mean? G.K. Chesterton says they represent three prophecies about the Christ child. Gold, that he should be crowned like a king. Frankincense, that he should be worshipped like a god. And myrrh, that he should be buried like a man. The first two are marvelous and obvious. The third is a wonder. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca wishing you a Merry Christmas from the Catholic Drive Time team. A brief meditation on Christmas. The Virgin adored him saying, O Lord, you indeed have come from heaven to earth for the salvation of men. I adore you because as God you are my creator and as human you are my son. Joseph adored him saying, O Lord, you have granted me such a grace. Kings and prophets wished to see you and they did not see. But to me, a sinner, you have given such a grace that I should see you. Merry Christmas and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, where we keep you informed and inspired. And I just did the most evil thing right now, which was uh, cutting off Russ Brelt in the middle of this conversation that we're having with him about the Shroud of Turin. And, and of course, but anyways, I'm, I'm the evil one. I have to keep time right here. Uh, Russ, uh, t- tell us, tell us about how can we, how does a, a John uh, 20 verse 1 through 8 apply to the Shroud of Turin? Because there is biblical evidence of this shroud. Well, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 8 or 1 through 9 is really quite an instructive chapter is because in the story, you have Mary going to the tomb early Sunday morning. She sees the stone pulled aside from the entrance. She looks in, sees that there's sees that there's no body there, runs to find the apostles and says, Someone has taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they put him. So her immediate reaction is that someone has stolen or taken the the body. Now, Peter and John run back down to the tomb. Now, they just don't peek inside. They actually stoop down, go inside the tomb, and see the linen cloth lying there. And then then John goes, that's that. So Peter goes in first. Then John goes in. And then he also sees the linen cloth lying there and believes. And believes what? Well, believes that Jesus had risen or at least that something extraordinary had occurred. Mm -hmm. You see, Mary doesn't go inside that tomb. So it begs the question, what did Peter and John see that Mary didn't see? And 
So the 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 answer is the linen cloth lying there. That's what they saw. So what is it about this cloth? See, it wasn't the empty tomb that caused him to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. It was the linen cloth lying there. So what was it about that cloth? Now, in my personal view, I don't think they saw images at that at that point in time. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that the way that that cloth was laid out on that flat slab of stone in the in the back of the tomb, exactly the way it was put there on Good Friday. Nothing moved, nothing disturbed, except now the body is gone. I mean, it's like now that might make you think something interesting had occurred, because had the body been stolen, you would have probably seen one of two things. You would have seen that cloth balled up and thrown into a corner or more likely than not. Why would you unwrap a corpse? Why, I mean, you would have just taken the whole thing and run. And so and so when Peter and John got to the tomb, they would have seen nothing had the body been stolen. So it was the linen cloth lying there that is the first piece of evidence. And John was the first one to believe in the resurrection based on the evidence of the shroud. And I think the, that the I think that it became evident re, regarding the images and the whole bloodstain patterns probably, you know, somewhat later. Now, tell us about this, uh, the, the history, how, how this shroud um, became where it's at right now, where it, just the, the, the secession, how, how did we get to the shroud right now? And of course, there was a committee that was put together to do a final study on the shroud. And they said, this is it. This is the, we're going to come out with a scientific theory behind this. And this is where we're going to close this, uh, this talk about the shroud. Tell me, tell me about uh, this, uh, a little bit of the history, where, where it came from, how it was uh, passed on. And then this committee that was uh, came out and to, to make uh, some scientific uh, uh, explanations. Well, um, the shroud has you know has a, a long history. I mean, there's uh, there's legend and folklore talks about it all the way all the way back in first century. It makes its way to Edessa, which was at that time was in southern uh, was was part of Syria. Uh, now it's part of southern Turkey. It's not even called Odessa anymore. It's called uh, Sanli Urfa. And it's uh, it was there for hundreds of years and then ultimately taken to Constantinople in 944. And it's there for about 260 years. And in 1204, it's stolen during the Fourth Crusade by the uh, by the by the French. And then it goes underground and then uh, for about 150 years and then reemerges in um, in Luray, France then moves to Chambéry, France, then moves to Turin, Italy, where it's been since uh, where it's been since 1578. So it's really hard to deal with history in like two minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, but I will say, per your other mention, is that there was a team of scientists that went to Turin in uh, um, in 1978, a team of nearly 40 American scientists, which was unprecedented. And they had access to the cloth for five days, round the clock, working in shifts, 120 hours. And they brought with them all kinds of gear, um, um, x-radiography, spectroscopy, infrared thermography, photomicroscopy. And they did a battery of tests. And, um, and that's when it was concluded that it was not the work of an artist. And the blood is blood. And it's... Um, and that conclusion that it's not the work of an artist is a, is a very powerful statement because it's like, well, if it's not the work of an artist, then what is it? And it's um, so 
Um, you know, scientists will often tell you what it's not. They ne can't necessarily tell you what it is. That's kind of left up to you. Mm -hmm. And it's um, so um, and then per your uh, you you uh, you cued the audience on this on this Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Man, if you want to go to Washington, that's the thing that you, I mean, sure, you're 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 going to go see the Smithsonian's and some of the other museums. But you got to you got to go and see the Museum of the Bible, you know, 400,000 square feet, uh, six stories, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's um, and it would opened up about three years ago. And there's going to be an exhibit on the shroud starting February 26th that will run through the end of July. And it's going to be a beautiful, interactive uh, um, exhibit. Um, and so uh, we've got to make your plans to to uh, to go to Washington sometime in the spring or the summer and um, and um, see the Museum of the Bible. Now, uh, Russ, um, tell us about how how we uh, how this shroud speaks to the to the modern people. We have 14, 13 year olds that are out there. Uh, taking selfies on their phones. Right now, phones, imagery is the thing right now. Everybody has a smartphone. Everybody's taking pictures. Can we say that this uh, Shroud of Turin may be the first selfie that uh, the Lord took? <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly right. The, uh, the Shroud does have photographic qualities to it. Um, for some reason, and what they discovered in 1898, uh, over 100 years ago um, was that um, when they took the first photograph of the shroud is that the shroud looks so much clearer, so much more detail is visible in the photo negative. And that's exact. That's the exact opposite of what we would expect. And it's um, and so it suggests then that the that the shroud does have photo, you know, you know, photographic like qualities to it and maybe you're right maybe the shroud is the very first selfie you know uh left behind for 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 all the skeptics in the world now it's I, um mm -hmm. i i see and in, in your presentation uh one of the things that struck me was was that the the flash there was a uh, evidently uh, through the evidence of the shroud and how it was uh, the imaging is on there there was a, a tremendous flash. Can you tell us about this flash that might have impregnated this this cloth, this shroud? Well, when you look at the, you know, when you look at scripture, you know, of course, there, there there were no eyewitnesses to what happened to Jesus in the tomb because it was a big stone put in front of the entrance. So you have to look at other verses, and certainly the um, the uh, the Mount of Transfiguration is an, is a very important clue. You know, if you know the story, Peter, James, and John are down at the bottom of the hill. Jesus goes up to the top of the hill, and it says he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun itself, and his clothing, it became dazzling light. So here Jesus is transformed into this being of light before the crucifixion, and of course he appears to Saul, you know, years later in a blinding flash of light, so bright that Paul or Saul is blinded for three days. So if you were to ask what happened to Jesus in the tomb, I think you'd have to know that it involves light. And it's um, and one of the interesting experiments that was done, it was published in a peer-reviewed journal in 2011, uh, researchers in, in Italy with the ENEA, this is the European Agency for New Technologies, They've been experimenting with uh, with ultraviolet pulse lasers. These are powerful industrial lasers. 
And they determined that a 40 nanosecond burst on a UV laser against a control sample of linen achieves the very same depth and coloration mm. as we see on the shroud. And I'm saying, now that's cool. That's really seriously cool is because one of the best explanations for what happened to Jesus in the tomb comes from 1 Corinthians 15. And in this verse, Paul isn't even talking about Jesus. He's talking about you and me. And he says, behold, I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep. That means to remain dead, but we will all be changed. How? In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. And wow. so, so Paul is talking about this transformational event that occurs in the future. It hasn't even happened yet, but that's exactly what happened to Jesus in the tomb. And um, now how do I know that? Because Jesus is called the first fruits of the resurrection. If he's the first fruit, that means we are the rest of the fruit that comes later at the end of the age. Some that is exciting. Some people may say, well, we don't have a conclusion of evidence in this. This is a mystery. How can we tie in this mystery, Russ? I love the rosary. We have mysteries of the rosary. And, and precisely, we don't understand everything. Tell us about this mystery. Well, it, it, it's, a, it's a mystery from start to finish. Um, is that the number one mystery is that is that the image itself is is inexplicable we 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 have no we have no understanding of the cause unless we understand that that it was the resurrection and it's um and of course that's nothing that can be replicated in in a laboratory yes um but there's lots of but anyone wants to learn more the mother of all websites is shroud.com it's a great it's a great research site my website is shroudencounter.com And um, where if anyone's interested in, in having a full live shroud encounter at, at your parish or school, that's where to go, shroudencounter.com. Thank you so much, Russ Breld. Check out the museum, Museum of the Bible, February 26th, all the way to the end of July. This amazing exhibit, Russ Breld, has been a blessing to have you. The gospel spoke Russ Breld when I read it. You are the man for the program today, and, and we, just, uh, we just share blessings to you. We'll be right back in Catholic Drive Time. We have uh, more news. We have, uh, we have the saint of the day. We have a lot of good stuff, so stick around. Share the program for those that were in the stations of the Cross, we thank you. We bless you. If you want to join us, join us on social media. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Hi, this is Lan Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network. My wife Joanne and I would like to wish all of our GRN listeners and their families a very blessed Christmas and a happy new year. 
Hi, this is Toya Hall, Vice President of the Guadalupe Radio Network. I want to thank you, Guadalupe Radio family, for your prayers and gifts that provide support for your GRN station. I pray that you and your loved ones will have a most blessed Advent, a joyful Christmas, and a new year filled with peace and love. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it's become a bad habit in our society to celebrate Christmas before it comes. We've forgotten the glory of anticipation. The presents should not be opened until Christmas. That, of course, is part of the excitement. And while we know the gifts are coming, Chesterton reminds us that the best kind of gift is the surprise gift. And if we have the right perspective, we should look at everything as a gift, and every gift as a surprise gift. We are happy to wake up on Christmas morning and find gifts in our stockings, but the best gift we could ever find in our stockings is our own two legs. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. During the season of celebrating the birth of our Savior, it's a good time to reflect on all of our blessings. Yes, Dave, like all of our faithful listeners who help keep Catholic Radio on the air every day. So so I'm grateful for our bishops, priests, and religious who sacrifice every single day for the salvation of souls. I appreciate being a Catholic and for the freedom we enjoy to worship in this country. And even for the little things, like that gallon of eggnog sitting in our office fridge. Ooh, is that supposed to be for everybody? Uh, yeah. Oops. Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas, GRN family. family! Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful morning. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to people of goodwill. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King. Oh God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God. Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. You take away the sins of the world. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord. Thank you so much lord for allowing us to be in this morning sharing with uh, catholic drive time with with everyone that's uh, checking uh, checking us out here on social media thank you so much for being there and of course we're going to ask you to please share the program at this point because we do have a second hour this second hour we have a lot of good stuff to cover we have uh, i think what's the star of the program uh, we, we have the, um, the 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 catholic game show fear and trembling uh, again i'm a big fan of the program, and I love fear and trembling. I love the contest. I love that energy that, that's given, and I love that we have prizes, that we have uh, things to give away to the public, and of course, you can participate this morning. I would love for you to participate. I would love for you to jam the phone lines at one 757 9424 Write it down right now. Please write it down. one uh, 877 
757-9424. For those of you that are watching us on social media, of course, you're going to have to lay down your phone and, and make that phone call so you can participate in Fear and Trembling, where, again, um, we like to give you some prizes and some gifts. Uh, so that's going to come up later on at the 15 of this hour. And talking about coming up on the 15 of this hour, we have Adriano Fonseca. Buenos dias, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Yes, praise be to Jesus. And uh, we also have uh, our good friend Rudy Carlos, all the way from California. Rudy, good morning. Hey, good morning. <laughs> all right. But before we uh, continue with the program, we have the gospel today. We have the saint of the day. What a holy day. We have St. John, the evangelist, evangelizing this morning through Holy Scripture. Uh, let's uh, pray the memorari and say all together in prayerful, prayerful intention. Remember, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided inspired with this confidence i fly to you O virgin O virgins my mother to you do i come before you i stand sinful and sorrowful O mother of the word incarnate despise not my petitions but in your mercy hear and answer me amen in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit Amen. So now let's go with uh, some good news with uh, Rudy Carlos all the way from California. Take it on, Rudy. Good morning. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your good news story for the day. Life News reports disabled woman who couldn't communicate for 21 years talks to her mom on Christmas. A good news story was published by the Canadian Press about a Nova Scotia woman who communicated with her mother on Christmas Day the first time in 21 years. Her mother called it a Christmas miracle. According to Keith Duquette, Louise Meisner said her 37-year-old daughter, JoLynn Huntley, used eye motion cameras and software on an iPad to respond to a comment from Meisner about her clothes. Huntley has been severely disabled since she was 15, unable to walk or talk, and fed through a tube. She has also responded to family members' presence by, presence by making sounds that were, but was unable to communicate any thoughts. Huntley was thrown from a car that had swerved to avoid a dog that was running loose along a road on April 18, 1996. The accident claimed the life of her boyfriend and a young girl who was the sister of the driver. The article reports that the Christmas miracle happened in this way. The breakthrough occurred during a Christmas Day visit at the King's Regional Rehabilitation Center in Waterville, Nova Scotia. I said, JoLynn, I like your new Christmas outfit you got on, Meisner said in a telephone interview on Friday. Meisner said her daughter then used the technology to find an icon for a short sleeve shirt. And then she said no and went, uh, and went to a long sleeve shirt because she was trying to tell me what she had on. Meisner said her reaction was immediate to what had been a long hoped for personal communication. The computer equipment was purchased for Jolene with the proceeds from a court settlement. The story states Meisner said that the settlement money helped the family purchase the computer equipment, which he is now using with the help of a speech pathologist. We had to go through two or different screens until we found the right one for her, and it's called eye gaze. 
Her eyes focus on the icons to answer questions. Meisner said one of Jolyn's nurses told them that she is doing really well with it. I knew she just needed time for the technology to catch up with her, Meisner said. In the past few years, Dr. Adrian Owen, a researcher at the University of Western Ontario, has developed technology to communicate with people who are believed to be in a persistent vegetative state. The computer technology used by Jolyn is different than the technology used by Dr. Owen, but this article shows how technology is opening the window of life for people who are considered by so many to be hopeless. The Christmas miracle teaches us that we should never consider a human being with disabilities as less than an equal person. It also teaches us that every human life has value. And that's good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint John the Apostle. He was born in the first century AD, you know, time of Christ. He was St. John the Apostle, was the son of Zebedee and Salome, and was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. John was called to be an apostle by our Lord in the first year of his public ministry. He is considered the same person as John the Evangelist, John of Patmos, and the beloved disciple. John's older brother was St. James the Greater, another one of Jesus' 12 apostles. Jesus referred to the brothers as Bonerges, meaning sons of thunder. John is believed to be the longest living apostle and the only one not to die a martyr's death. During the Last Supper, St. John sat next to Jesus in Sinu Yesu, or rather, lying on the breast of Christ. John was the only one of the twelve apostles who did not forsake the Savior in the hour of his passion. He stood faithfully at the cross when the Savior made him the guardian of his mother, whenever our Lord said, Behold your mother. After the Assumption of Mary, John went to Ephesus according to church tradition. He later became banished by the Roman authorities to the Greek island of Patmos. This is where he allegedly wrote the Book of Revelation or the Book of Apocalypse. It is said John was banished in the late 1st century during the reign of the Emperor Domitian. After being plunged into boiling oil in Rome and suffering no injuries. It is also said that, they all, that all those who witnessed the miracle in the Colosseum were converted to Christianity. Emperor Domitian was known for his persecution of Christians. John is known as the author of the Gospel of John and four other books in the New Testament, the three epistles of John and the book of Revelation. The authorship of the Gospel is credited to, quote, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John chapter 21 verse 24 claims that the Gospel of John is based on the, quote, beloved disciples' testimony. On his, in his ecclesiastical history, Eusebius states the first epistle of John and the gospel of John are agreed upon as John's. Ha! Huh, imagine that. The beloved disciple died in Ephesus after AD 98, where a stately church was erected over his tomb. It was afterwards converted into a Mohammedan mosque. He is often depicted in art as the author of the gospel with an eagle symbolizing the height he rose in his gospel. And other icons he has shown looking up into heaven and dictating his gospel to his disciples. St. John the Apostle, pray for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, O oh God. We acclaim you as Lord, the glorious company of apostles. Praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And today's gospel comes from John 20, 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told him, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. 
So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloth there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloth there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. The other disciple also went in, and the one who had arrived at the tomb first and saw and believed. Now, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ rose again, leaving the stone and seal still laying on the sepulcher. The tomb was open. This struck Magdalene for a reason as she saw the stone rolled from the sepulcher without entering or even looking into it. She immediately ran in order for her affection to carry the news to the disciples. Now, St. John Christensen points to this ardor to ask and ignite us in the order to proclaim the resurrected Lord in our lives. Now, we take for granted the miracles of the everyday, the waking up, the breathing, the living that we are going through every day. We forget the everyday miracle of being thankful, uh, of opening our eyes, and how many are still, uh, will will not be opening their eyes today. We want to see miracles, and we forget the miracle of the everyday just simply awakening. Now, Peter saw the linen cloth lying, and St. John Christensen takes notice that Christ's body being buried with myrrh linen would stick fast to the body as pitch so that it would be impossible to steal or take away the body without the linen cloths. Now, notice John, Mary Magdalene, who stood at the foot of the cross, uh, how they played a great role in the gospel. This, uh, they participated in contemplating the crucified Lord and, in, uh, and, of course, in his passion, and that ignited these acts. Mary Magdalene uh, acts on ignorance, right? Uh, she runs to report the missing Lord. Uh, she runs with a mission. She has a mission in order to get the word out. Now, the gospel tells us that the beloved John ran faster than Peter, the leader, the rock, the one who had denied Jesus. So the gospel also says that Peter entered and saw but did not believe, or at least the gospel says that uh, he, that the one that believed was the second one, the, the beloved. This points out to, uh, to, to the ones that bear the cross and stand at the foot of the cross in, in our daily crosses with Christ, those will clutch the faith. Three actors, Mary, no clue of the doctrine of the resurrection or what Jesus had told the apostles. He has power to lay down his life and to take it back. Now, John, limited in understanding, but believed that something had just taken place. Now, Peter, the denier, St. Augustine mentions, he did not yet believe that Jesus was risen from the dead because he was still ignorant that he was uh, to rise from the dead. For although the apostles had so often heard their divine master speak of the most plain terms and his resurrection still remained so as much accustomed to the parables, they did not understand. And imagine something else was meant by these words. Now, altogether, um, it, it, all together in this moment in time, Jesus works with them. Now, um, again, this passage talks to us about letting the love of God inflame us and grow in knowledge. Standing at the foot of the cross of Jesus it allows us to grow in love, to meet our Lord, even through our own sufferings as we participate. Now, theologian Hans Urs Bons Baltasar uh, writes about this. After a mother has smiled at her child uh, for many days and weeks, she finally receives her child's smile in response. She has awakened love at the heart of the child, and the child awakens to love, also awakens to knowledge. God 
interprets uh, he interprets uh, uh, himself uh, to man as love the same way he radiates love which kindles the light of love in the heart of man and it's precisely the light that allows man to perceive the absolute love my brothers and sisters do you irradiate the love of jesus when a brother or a sister sees you in the eyes do you irradiate the love of jesus or do you irradiate the things of this world? Now, we are limited in knowledge, of course. We are limited in understanding. Again, everything that our Lord has done in these amazing miracles, they stay sometimes as mysteries. But one thing that is not a mystery is that the Lord continues to work. The Lord continues to do miracles in our lives. And, and, and to those miracles, we are to give witness. We are to testify. We are to be excited about the everyday, even in the moments of our sufferings, give those sufferings to the Lord and let's participate in, in, those redempt, in, in a redemptive suffering as we participate with him in, in the cross. Adrian, this is just beautiful. It's fascinating. Amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, we have about 30 seconds. So I want to just do one thing from, uh, from Cornelius Lapide. He says that, uh, and this is very, very important, I think. He says that by John, all mm -hmm. are signifies. He signifies all Christians. But Peter symbolizes the pontiffs, the vicar mm. of Christ. And so Peter then enters the tomb first, even though mm -hmm. uh, John arrived first. So he waited for Peter to enter first because he has the highest dignity as the vicar of Christ. But John came last. And this is what I think is important, especially when we think about bad popes. Uh, uh, Cornelius Lapide says here, because it is possible that he who is first in rank is behind others mm. and deserts and in holiness. Mm. And I just want to leave it at that. And we have to head off to our break. Beautiful. For, uh, fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. That's right. The lines are open right now. 1-877-757-9424. 1-877-757-9424. Who is going to grace us right now and be the first one on the line? 1-877-757-9424. 1-877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and trembling. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, We'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. 
For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, a program that's here to keep you informed and inspired. Now, I'm not Joe McClain this morning, but I am trying to fill in this, uh, these big boots. I see these uh, hunting boots or these um, uh, fishing boots. What are they? They, they have a fishy Marine smell. Boots. <laughs> Marine boots. Marine and, boots. And, and, you know, and I'm trying to deal with all of this equipment that we have. For those of us that are watching us on social media, on our Facebook, the GRN social media, Catholic Drive Time social media i see i have all this equipment here that i have no idea what this i have a cow i have a couple of cowbells here okay i I was trying to play with those and uh, a lot of good stuff anyways but um let's play now this is fear and trembling this is the apex the climax of our program and uh we have a caller on the line Uh, but before we get to the caller on the line we want to go with rudy carlos because he has what are we uh what are we going to be giving away uh rudy carlos tomorrow when we conclude fear and trembling Thanks, Jesus. So uh, last week we were offering a, a very generous gift from Dennis uh, from Dennis uh, Knapp, who's a listener of the show and mm. also a, a Catholic and fellow blogger. And uh, so the person last week did not claim the price, so we're going to extend it to this week, and we're going to spiel uh, Dennis's blog again. He has a blog on Pathios.com. Uh, pathos.com slash blog slash the Latin right and right is spelled R-I-G-H-T. And the name is a play on the Latin right combined with the perception of conservatism for traditional Catholic values and beliefs. He says, what I write reflects my commitment to the truth taught by the Catholic Church and therefore perceived as conservative. He has generously offered a copy of J.R.R.R. J.R.R. Tolkien's hmm. writings. How many R's? Lord of the Rings. Yeah, two R's there. Okay, and he's also offered uh, a trilogy of the of the Lord of the Rings as well, which is uh, book the book or movie version. Ah, the book, book the book. Hmm. So it's a trilogy of the books. Really awesome books. Just sit down, start the fire if you have a fireplace. Hmm. Crack the book open and get to the Middle Earth. So really Ooh. awesome. Thank you, Dennis, for the generous sponsorship of this week and last week's uh, Fear and Trembling. Fear and Trembling. Show. Thank you. Thank you, Rudy. And those uh, gifts, man, for those of you that are not into that stuff, but, uh, can, but you know, can still give those uh, gifts there in the Dia de los Reyes Magos, uh, the three wise men, right, coming up soon in January. So you can use those as awesome gifts. Now, the the, the whole thing about this this, this uh, segment is uh, we don't want to put you on the spot, but um, we want to still learn, right? We're going to be asking the questions to uh, Adrian, and we're going to ask the question to Rudy. And, and you're going to choose who sounds the most right in, the, in their answers. So you choose. 
So you get to pick, and it's a 50-50 chance that you're going to win, and we're going to get you into the cup of divine providence. So let's go to the phone lines right now in Fear and Tribbling, as we have uh, somebody on the line. Emery, good morning, señorita. Hola. Good morning. How are you? ¿Cómo estás? I'm not Spanish. Oh, okay, Emery. That's okay. <laughs> Where are you calling us from? I'm calling from Germantown, Maryland. Germantown, Maryland. Is it cold out there right now? It's pretty cold. Oh, I'm freezing down south over here, and it's like 80 degrees right now. <laughs> I am just freezing. I got a suit <laughs> on. You're in big trouble. Oh, imagine me. I would be sliding over there in this cold weather. But, uh, Amory, uh, do you think you can get at least uh, one shot at the Fear and Trembling today? What do you think? The last couple times I played, I got them <sighs> all. All right, all right. So you know how this is played, right? Yep. Who is the most sneaky person in here, the most conniving one or sneaky one in the studio? Is it Adrian or, you know, is it Rudy? No, it's usually Joe. Oh, yeah. Joe! So now, now it's just nothing but easiness today. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah, I do agree with you. I have seen him being very conniving and very... Uh, and now uh, i got to be careful about you because I've got no idea what you're going to do. No, I'm just here. I'm just I'm just covering for, for Joe. Oh. I, I'm just, you know, I'm a little lamb here. i got no, <laughs> no ways to... <laughs> All right. Harmless, right? Okay. Harmless, exactly. So, so we're, I'm harmless, yes. So we're going to start with this game right now. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's get this cranked up right here. Vamos a darle cuerda a esto y vamos a irnos con Rudy. We're going to ask Rudy. He's going to be our, our first one right here to answer this question. And the question is, when does Christmas Day end this year? Rudy, tell me. Well, uh, didn't it just end yesterday? I don't mm. you know. It's, well, it ended on, yeah, the 25th. I don't know what you're talking about. But I see the Christmas Why is this still a question? Hmm. I, I, I see Christmas lights still on, huh? No? Is that, is that just... Okay. All right. So, Rudy, you say that it ended yesterday. Now, let's take over here, uh, Adrian Fonseca. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, the wise is of the, the wise. wise. Uh, yes. Yes, the wise M Much one. wisdom. Uh-huh. What, uh, so, uh, when does Christmas Day end this year, Adrian? Okay. Yeah. So, trick mm. question a little bit, right? Trick January question. 6th. Huh, or... This year, January 9th, in the Novus Ordo calendar, it's transferred to the nearest Sunday. Oh. So either the 6th or the 9th, depending on your calendar. Adrian, this is confusing. Mm. How are you going to put it like that? I January know. January 6th or the 9th? What? No one way. Of those. One of those. No mm -hmm. way. 100%. I don't know, Rudy. I don't know. I, uh, I like Rudy's. Well, anyways, uh, let's go uh, to Emery. Emery, um, what do you say? Who is right or wrong? Is it Adrian? Uh, that it may end on the 6th or the 9th, regarding, depending on the new calendar? Or is it yesterday? The lights are turning off all over the place. What do you say? Okay, Christmas Day mm -hmm. is a one-day, 24 hours. Mm -hmm. But if the question was the season, the season ends at Epiphany. Mm -hmm. And, and what's, what's the date? What you got there? Well, if, if it's Epiphany, then it's Adrian. But if it's the day... Which is a twenty-four hour day mm. in the in the in the life of yes. Then it's not. Mm. So I mm. would say mm. uh, what the question should have been asked what? but wasn't asked okay. would be Adrian. Okay, okay. Adrian. Adrian. Yeah, okay, you, you got, got it right, it. Oh, but. <laughs> But it is mm. it is Perfect. Christmas Day because of the <laughs> octave of Christmas. And so the octave of Christmas is considered one liturgical day. 
Oh, there you go. Adrian got me all confused here, Emery, but I'm glad that you're in the coffee cup of divine providence, so you can mess up on the next two. That's, that's no problem. <laughs> but, but let's see what happens here. Let's, uh, let's go to Adrian on, on this one. Give it a shot, Adrian, on the okay. next question. Here we go. What are the three names for the Christmas masses? Yes. So there are three Christmas masses hmm. at midnight, dawn, and day. Here and those go. are known as the angel's mass, <sighs> the shepherd's mass, and the king's mass. Respectively, this wisdom title that we give Adrian is always he always likes to make it very complicated and add a lot of whole lot of stuff there. So, <laughs> Adrian, okay, all right, so that's your shot right there. All right, so let's go to Rudy, all the way to California. Rudy, what are the what are the three names for the Christmas masses? Well, out here in California, mm. they say it's the morning mass, the afternoon mass, and the evening mass. Huh. Okay. Very practical. Very, very liturgical. Very, very practical. That's not, that's not my personal very California name on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't call them that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So so there it is. Rudy uh, has a very colloquial way of calling these days the morning, afternoon, and the night mass. And uh, uh, Adrian has a, vo- a more... Uh, complicated way says the the angel's mass the shepherd's mass and king's mass what say you emery give me the answer who's right who's wrong adrian is is saying everything that was in my missile this sunday mm. oh wow really there you adrian, go adrian, 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 adrian it was the big go yes let's you got go it. Oh, there we okay. go. Right. Easy peasy. Easy She's like peasy. nailing these. Lemon squeezy. All right, Emery. I think somebody gave you the, the, the answers there. Adrian, the missile you... did. Hmm. Okay, the missile. That's right. That, that That's what happens. All right, let's go to the third question because uh, time is of the essence. So we have a lot of great gifts to give away tomorrow, Tuesday. So we go to, um, we're going to go back to Rudy for this one. Question number three. Did Mary experience birth pains? What do you say, Rudy, all the way in California? Absolutely mm. not. No. She did not experience any birth pains. What? Okay. And if you see any of this nonsense in Protestant shows, mm. you have to speak out against it because she did not. No. Our blessed Lord passed through her as if a light passes through a window. Mm. So no ouchies. No ouch. Absolutely not, not. Okay. And furthermore, because she was free of original sin. Okay. All right. So Adrian... What do you say? Did uh, Mary experience birth pains? I uh, hate myself for saying this, but yes. Yes? yes. Well, it was, it was, an, it was oh. an, an actual birth, pain. right? It, yes. it wasn't cesarean. Sure. It was uh. natural, right? It, it, it happened there. And, it uh, hurts. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, there it is. Uh, Rudy says, absolutely not. No, senor. And Adrian Fonseca says, si, senor. Yes, there was birth pain. Emery, you tell me because I'm in pain right now to hear your answer. Our lady experienced no pain. No pains. No pain. No pains. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it again. All right, you got three. We're going to put you on the coffee cup of divine providence. Thank you so much, Emery, all the way from that beautiful cold place. Uh, Stick around. Don't leave. We're going to get your phone number just in case you win. All right, so stay there with us. Again, uh, you have qualified for the coffee cup of divine providence. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
All right. Praise be to Jesus Christ. All right, you're back. This is a CDT Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Are you awake? Are you alive, Rudy? Are you right there? I am here, sir. Oh, I'm man. pulling up. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Feast of St. John, Apostle and Evangelist. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of the angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, God and, and to you, my, my brothers and sisters, sisters that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. 
Blessed Apostle John, have unlocked for us the secrets of your word. Grant, we pray, that we may grasp with proper understanding that he has so marvelously brought to our ears. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the beginning of the first letter of St. John. Beloved, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon and touched with our hands, concerns the word of life. For the life was made visible. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made visible to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim now to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. For our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this so that our joy may be complete. The word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The Lord is king, let the earth rejoice. Let the many isles be glad. Clouds and darkness are around him. Justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all people see his glory. Light dawns for the just, and gladness for the upright of heart. Be glad in the Lord, you just, and give thanks to his holy name. praise you. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, 
They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter, and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first. He saw and believed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. We say that because for eight days the church soaks in the Christmas grace. Uh, today is the third day of the octave of Christmas, and we, the church needs, we know, uh, Jesus knows that we need more than just one day to celebrate the glorious manifestation of his incarnation. And uh, so we soak in that grace, we celebrate that holy glow of Bethlehem and all the people that are all the saints all the the feasts that we celebrate between December 25th and January 1st the feast of the mother of God these are all people who are closely related associated or intimately bound up with the incarnation uh, if you think about it you have the proto-martyr Saint Stephen on the 26th of December and uh, he has a closeness to him witnessing his his uh glorious death and, and resurrection. And then you have today the Feast of uh, St. John, you have the Holy Family, the Holy Innocents, St. Thomas Becket, you have all these different saints that were closely re related with his incarnation. He is the most vivid of all the evangelists when he talks about that, that light of Christ, the glow of Jesus. And he was somebody, you know, that, that other reading of St. John, his epistle, he says, what we have touched, what we would have looked upon with our eyes, what we have grasped, is a very vivid description and encounter with the living Jesus Christ. And, and his knowledge of the incarnation is very, very speculative at one time, but at the same time, it is very practical. The gospel shows this. Why did John believe? because he saw the way Jesus folded his clothes in the tomb. He lived with him. You know, when you live with someone, you know them. You know the way they fold the towel at the kitchen, you know, like when they're putting the dishes away. You're, you have a very practical knowledge of what they're like. And so John saw the burial cloths, and they saw the way that Jesus put the head cloth away from the body cloth, and he said, oh, that's him. He really is risen. Um, and this is the, the truth of, of St. John. What things... What, what can John teach us today, particularly on this, this feast, uh, his great feast? Well, if you want to have a closeness to the incarnation and the presence of Jesus Christ, there's basically three different dimensions. The first is John had a closeness to the Immaculate Virgin Mary. He lived with her. He was the one who sat there or stood at the cross and Jesus looked into his eyes as he was dying and he said, Behold your mother. He entrusted the, the Blessed Mother to him to be his, you know, she, he would be the steward or the caretaker, the apostle that would take Mary into his home. 
And John teaches us to do the same, to take Mary into our home, into our daily living, that we live in a living, intimate relationship with the Immaculate Virgin Mary, because the more you relate to Mary, the more she brings you into communion with Jesus. Second, the Eucharist. The most intense and immediate and powerful contact with God on earth is the Eucharist. It is the only place on earth other than heaven when you can say, this is God. Every other place you say, God is here. God is uh, in this place, but this is the only point in the universe other than heaven where you can say this is God himself in person, present. And the potency and power of having that kind of contact with the Eucharist reveals the incarnation. And finally, his relationship with Peter. Uh, we need to have a living communion uh, with the church, uh, with, the, with uh, the Holy Father and all the bishops and communion with him in the living sacred magisterium of the church, to be faithful to the magisterium of the church. And uh, you need to have a good sense of the church and thinking with the church. And if you do, you have all these three things, you will have a very, very potent, powerful and, and intense experience of the Incarnation. May the prayers of St. John and the Immaculate Virgin Mary help us to do this, especially in this Christmas octave, with great joy and hope. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole Church, that it may shine forth the glow of the face of the infant Christ in holiness and the witness of sanctity. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that may lead the Church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders, that they may not pose an obstacle to Jesus, but allow gospel values to be inculcated in culture. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray that in this Christmas season, we may have the, the joy of the Christ, of the, the baby Jesus, and especially we pray for an end to abortion. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Pro Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy and living name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, Mary full, full of grace, grace the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, women and blessed is the fruit, fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Once in royal David city stood a lowly cattle shed where a mother laid her baby in a manger for his bed. Mary was that mother mild, Jesus Christ, her little child. He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all, and his shelter was a stable, and his cradle was a stall, with the poor and mean and 
Savior holy. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Sanctify the offerings we have made, O Lord, we pray, and grant that from the banquet of this supper we may draw the hidden wisdom of the eternal word, just as from the same source you revealed it to your Apostle John, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in the mystery of the Word made flesh, a new light of your glory has shone upon the eyes of our mind, so that as we recognize in him, God made visible, we may be caught up through him in the love of things invisible. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui benet in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, 
we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, granted we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John the Evangelist, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world, be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis our Pope, Mike, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind commitments to your kingdom, that we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Proceptus salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetum tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. <coughs> Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Behold, the Lamb of God. 
Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am not I am worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The first Noel, the angel did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields as they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 born is the King of Israel. They looked up and saw a star shining to the earth it gave great light and so it continued both day and night Noel 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 born is the king of his and by the light of that same star three wise men came from the country far to seek for a king was their intent and to follow the star Right. 
Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that the Word made flesh proclaim the blessed Apostle John. May through this mystery which we have celebrated ever dwell among us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. May the God of infinite goodness, who by the incarnation of his Son has driven darkness from the world, and by that glorious birth has illuminated this most holy day, drive far from you the darkness of vice, and illumine your hearts with the light of virtue. Amen. Amen. May God, who willed that the great joy of his Son's saving birth be announced to shepherds by the angel, fill your minds with the gladness he gives, and make you heralds of his gospel. Amen. And may God, who by the incarnation brought together the earthly and heavenly realm, fill you with the gift of his peace and favor, and make you shares with the church in heaven. Amen. And may the blessings of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Joy to the world, the Lord. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, 